0: Okay, we're we're going to be reading out of Genesis chapter 33, and we're going to pick up where we left off last time in this uh, Bible study. Genesis chapter 33, verse 1, Then Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and four hundred men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids, and he put the maids and their children in front, and Leah and her children next. And Rachel and Joseph last. But he himself passed on ahead of them and bowed down to the ground seven times till he came near to his brother. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw the women and the children. And he said, Who are these with you? So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids came near with their children and bowed down. Leah likewise came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward Joseph came near with Rachel, and they bowed down. And he said, What do you mean by all this company which I have met? And he said, To find favor in, your, in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be your own. Jacob said, No, please, if now I have found favor in your sight, take my present from my hand, for I see your face as one sees the face of God, and you have received me favorably. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, because I have plenty. Then he urged him, and he took it. Then Esau said, Let us take our journey and go, and I will go before you. But he said, My Lord knows that the children are frail and the flocks and the herds which are nursing are a care to me. And if they are driven hard, one day all the flock will die. Please let my Lord pass on before his servant and I will proceed at my leisure according to the pace of the cattle that are before me and according to the pace of the children until I come to my Lord at Seir. So to put this in context, what we had seen formerly is that is that uh, um, what is that Esau was coming with four hundred men. Jacob had no defenses. He had lots of cattle. He had his two wives, Leah, and Rachel, and then he had his two maids that also served as wives. And uh, uh, he had at least eleven sons and one daughter by this time. Eleven sons. And one eleven sons it's just that uh, Benjamin had not yet been born, and he had one daughter, Dinah, one daughter that's listed. but we know from uh, from other chapters I, I think it's uh chapter thirty seven that he had many other daughters we didn't know we don't know if other daughters had been born at this time. so he had at least eleven sons and one daughter, so twelve children with him, and so he had this company of people. so what he did is he took all the assets of what he had. And he split off half of it and they went another direction just to protect them if something should go wrong. Because it's told to him that Esau's coming after him with 400 men. This is not a welcoming type of party with 400 men. And remember, these are men who lived by the sword. It says over the prophecy that, that uh, his father uh, had given him, Isaac, over, over to uh, Esau. He said, you will live by the sword. So this is, these are men who learned how to live by the sword. And uh, they lived in Seir, which is just to the east of the Dead Sea in that region. And uh, Jacob is is uh, uh, just in this border town in, in Gad, just, just, uh, uh, just by the Jabbok River there, uh, just below Gad. In the middle of Israel, but on the right side of the Jordan or on the east side of the Jordan. So what's Jordan today and not... Not actually the the land of Canaan. So he hadn't come into the land yet. So he's very worried. So what he did is he prepared a large gift. And five different gifts he prepared to send ahead of him to Esau. And he took the servant's place. Even though his father had proclaimed on him. He was given both the birthright and he got the blessing. In the birthright and the blessing he was to be now superior to his brother. Superior in what he would get in an inheritance and superior to what he got in the blessing. What he got in the blessing was, was uh, that he would be over his brothers. He would be over his brother and over his brother's people. So he was to be Lord, his brother was to be in a servant type role. But Jake, Jacob now is reversing this whole thing, continually speaking to his brother in, in kindness. And you see him taking this position as a servant and so what I want to look at is in verse 33, it says, Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So these are the 400 men. So this is a large party coming at him. He has no defenses. So what he did is he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. So he divided it into three parties and he put he put the maids and their children in front and then he put Leah and her children next. Then he put Rachel uh, uh, with, with her son Joseph and, and uh, last. And he passed on ahead. And so people might say, well, why is he putting his, his wives and children in front? No. It says now he passed on ahead. So he went ahead of all of them. And he came and he bowed down seven times as he's approaching his brother. And his brother is approaching him. This is a common type of approach when you're coming as a servant to bow down seven times. So he takes the role of a servant. Even though, as we've seen in the past weeks, that his father had proclaimed over him, you will be master over your brother. He takes the servant's position. And when he takes this servant's position, he bows down seven times to the ground. And now Esau sees this. Esau had already received five gifts from his brother, 580 animals in those five gifts. And now his brother is bowing to him, and so Esau ran to meet him. This this whole idea running to meet him, Esau is running to meet him is a big deal. This is really a big deal because because if somebody runs to meet somebody, it's like the, the prodigal son and his father ran to meet him. Men in the Middle East don't generally run, and so running to meet him and he grabbed him and they f- fell on they, they fell on his neck, he kissed him and they wept. So you see this whole turn in Esau that's coming against him quite violently. And there's a whole turn now. And he, he approaches him in this in this very, very uh, humble sort of manner. So Esau then runs to meet him. Then it says, And he lifted up his eyes and he saw the women and the children. And he said to him, He said, Who are all of these? And it's interesting Jacob's response. He doesn't just say, Oh, d- d- these are my kids. Don't worry about them. No. He says, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. These are the children whom God has graciously given your servant. He looks at his children and he says, These are precious to me. These children are precious to me. These are the ones who, who, who God has graciously given me. I mean, this is a big deal. These are the ones who God has graciously given to me. And he, he acknowledges them as being you know, just a real blessing to him. This is important to him. Then he says, Then the maids came near with their children and they bowed down. So now the maids are coming near and they are bowing down. And, and uh, so the children are bowing down. The maids are bowing down. And, and, uh, and, and you see this pure act of humility. It is a pure act of humility. God is showing that humility can win over somebody who's really upset with you. If you go with a humble attitude, you go with gifts and and this is specifically doing gifts. As it, as it says in Romans, you overcome evil with good. You do good acts. If you think, well, gifts won't really work. Well, how do you know? Give it a try. Gifts might work. And so you try, you, you give those gifts and you see, see what, what, uh, What the effect is here. And he comes and he humbly bows himself. And when he says, these are the children whom God has graciously given to your servant. Meaning, I'm your servant. Even though I have the birthright and the blessing, I'm coming as your servant. I put those aside. Now, those were irrevocable in the sense that God was going to do that. God was going to fulfill that. But as far as he was concerned, he took the position of a servant. It's very characteristic of the Lord. Although he's the Son of God, he takes the position of a servant. And then what he did is he he came in humility and he says he he says speaks of the children that are with him. And you know, I did prison ministry for for ten years. And what do prisoners they all want? They, 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 They they characteristically they want to get out of prison. But it's not that they want to get out of prison and start you know, dealing on the streets again. Actually, what they really envy is they envy the man who has a family, who has a stable family, who has kids, who has a stable home. That's what they really want. Here is Esau, who lives by the sword, 400 men with him. He has all of these, the, these assets around him that, can, they can, that could wipe out Jacob. And what does Jacob say I have? I have these women... I have these children who are a gift of God to me. These are a gift of God. In this, Jacob showed his extreme richness. His extreme richness. Richness comes by having a family. Richness comes by having these sorts of things in one's life. This is all the grace of God. It comes from God. God gives this this is worth more than anything it's worth more than money when you have a family and you have children and you have people around you this is what you want to build up this is what you want to make sure that you have in life this is worth so much this is what god wants us to have and he says he and then esau says what are all these gifts you sent to me you sent these five five groups of gifts totaling 580 animals Esau says to him, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be your own. This is typical Middle East type behavior. Somebody gives you a gift, you say, no, 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 I don't want it. You never say, okay, I'll take it back. You must say, no, please take it. There is this, this imploring them to take it. If you have a Middle Eastern guest to your home and you serve them, they'll say, no, 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 it's okay. I, 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 I don't want to partake. That doesn't mean anything. That means they want to partake. You're supposed to say, no, I insist. Please take it. This is the custom. If you say, oh, okay, so you don't want it? Okay, I'll take it back. That doesn't work very well. So Esau says, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be your own. And then Jacob says, no, please. So again, he comes in this asking him to. He doesn't demand him to take it. He says, no, please, I pray thee. My brother, He says, if now I have found favor in your sight. Again, he's imploring him, let me find favor in your sight. If now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand. For I see your face as one sees the face of God. Again, he speaks to to his brother Esau with this great humility that to me you are like the face of God. Then he says, And you have received me favorably, meaning that that you have dealt favorably with me. Please, again again in verse 11, he says, Please take my gift, which has been brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have plenty. Thus he urged him, and he took it. This word plenty in verse 11 is different than the word plenty in verse 9. In verse 9, Esau said, I have plenty, which means plenty, which means an abundance. In eleven in eleven verse eleven when when uh, uh, Jacob says, "I have plenty, this gives the sense of all or everything. I have everything. It is so much more than just money. it is everything. I have everything, everything. When we have the Lord Jesus Christ, we have everything. When we have the Lord Jesus Christ, we have everything. Everything has been given to us." In Christ, when we have him, we have everything. This is what he gives to us. And so then it says, Esau said, so so Esau received it. And then in verse 12, let me take you now to my home. Let's go on this journey. But Jacob says, but he says, my Lord, again, he calls him my Lord. My Lord knows that the children are frail and that the flocks and the herds, which are nursing, are a care to me. And if they are driven hard one day, they will all die. So what he does is he looks upon his family. He looks upon his family and he says, I need to care for them. There is nothing wrong with the man caring for his family. There's nothing wrong with a man putting his family first. Even though his brother had 400 men with him, he appeals to his brother. He doesn't demand anything from his brother, but he appeals to his brother. And he says... He says, "Look, I I, uh, I just just want want to see my my family be able to catch up with us because he says we can't drive these flocks any, any faster because he had been been running from Laban as we had covered in the past weeks, and uh, he says he says uh, please let me pass on l- 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 go go pass on before me and I will come to my Lord at Seir. that is this southern part uh, uh, just east of the Dead Sea. He says I'll come to you." And he promises him, he says, I'll come to you. And then in verse 15, it says, And Esau said, please, let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord. So Esau returned that day and he went to see her. He said, let me leave with you some of my my fighting men to protect you. He says, I don't need it. I don't need that. God will protect me. God will take care of me. And so he sent his brother on. His brother returns back. And then it says in verse seventeen, Jacob journeyed to Sukoth and built for himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the place is called is named Sukoth. So Jacob then moves to a city called Sukoth, which is right there on the same Jabbok River, maybe only a mile from where he had this discussion with with his brother. And he built booths there. These are these are not like stone houses. These are these are just sticks with, with uh, uh sticks on top and leaves. These are booths and this is what he lived in and this is what he, he stayed in. So it wasn't anything grand, but it does say that he established himself for some time to allow his family to get refreshed. Now we don't have any indication, we don't have any recording that he went to see her, but we do know he told his brother that he would go, and then we jump to some time in the future we don't even have any recording of him going to see his father which was down in the in the southern part of 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 Israel where where uh, um Ben Gurion University is today in that sort of area in the Negev uh we don't have any recording there that that, that that doesn't mean he didn't go because we're about to jump ahead uh, uh many years and it because it says it says in verse 18 now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem. Now that's in the land. That's over the Jordan River. That's in the land, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Aram, and he camped before before the city. So that's where it picks up. But what I want to do is I want to look at this relation. He took the form of a bond servant. He took the form of a slave and then appeared to his brother. And I want to look at this same sort of relation, what Jesus had to say about this sort of thing. Same thing that, that Jesus uh, uh, talked about this. And, and he says, for example, in verse of Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus calls his disciples to himself and he says, this is what the world is like. You know the, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. The whole world is trying to lord over other people. The rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. Lording it over others is foreign to the gospel. He says, it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. This is exactly the position that Jacob took toward his brother uh, uh, Esau. Esau, he was given mastery over his brother according to the prophecy, but he took the position of a servant. This is exactly what Jesus did, did and what he calls us to do. He said, It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a terminology that Jesus used of himself. Son of Man, that's what God called Ezekiel, but he called him Son of Man. He never called him the Son of Man. The definite article, the, is only used for Jesus, and this is the words that Jesus used of himself. The Son of Man. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you get into your work and you become a servant at work and you help out other people and you do other do things for other people, this is a huge deal. It is a very big deal. You will be greatly blessed and your bosses will see this and you'll be greatly blessed in this. Uh, and Jesus said, if you do this, uh, uh, this is what's going to make you great. He said, it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. This is what will make you great. You learn how to serve. People say, but that's not my problem. I won't deal with it. No, when you care about your place of work, your boss sees it and it matters and you get promoted. When you care about things, people see it. When you care about your church, people see it. If you just say, well, I go to church, you know, and I'm fine. No, when you care about the place and you become invested, you pour your money into it, you pour your life into it, you pour your service into it, you clean, you do the things that are necessary, then you really start becoming a part of that church and you get more and more responsibility and there's great blessing. There's great blessing in doing this. There's blessing from God in doing this sort of thing. And Jesus spoke of this. Then let's look at look at another verse. Matthew chapter 11, same book. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Jesus said, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Jesus is the only one who knows his Father. Jesus is the only one who knows his Father. And he is the one, Jesus is the one that reveals the Father to us. Anyone that Jesus wills to reveal Him, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. It's all up to Jesus, whether we get to know God. And so you wonder, is Jesus going to introduce me to God? And then the next verse, this is what He says. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, Come to me. Come to me. Who is he inviting? He's inviting these people. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you are without peace in your life, if you are without blessing in your life, if you are without comfort in your life, if you are overworked and tired, he says, Come to me. Those are the ones that he's inviting. Come to me, he says. Come to me. The message of the gospel is come. The message of the cross is come. Come. Come to Jesus today. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus promises this. I will give you rest. It is a promise. There is a promise of rest in Him. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you do not know the Lord today, I'm speaking specifically to you. Jesus says, come, come to me. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me. It is him, it is Jesus who says, come to me. Come to him this day. Come to him this day. Come to him. There's a way, a prescription for coming to him. The Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If anyone will confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in his heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. When God says something will happen, it has to happen. Heaven and earth cannot stop it. It has to happen. You will be saved if you confess this day that Jesus is Lord and believe he's risen from the dead. Now, this thing of the resurrection is hard to believe for an educated person because we don't have a whole lot of. We, we, we've never seen the resurrection, really. None of us have, never, have ever seen this. Now, there is more written about the resurrection from eyewitnesses than any other account. From that era. But what God has done, He's already placed the truth of the resurrection on your heart. The truth of the resurrection is upon your heart already, it's already there. And all He's asking you to do is to confess to the truth that's already on your heart. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray with me and invite Jesus into your life this day. Jesus comes as a servant. And he says, come to me, come to me, come to me. That's the message of the cross. Come to him this day, confess his lordship and confess that he's risen from the dead. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for the outpouring of the grace of God to come upon the hearers of this message in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that for the unbelievers, they would join me in this prayer right now and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are Lord. And I believe that you have risen from the dead. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you have risen from the dead. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And Lord, I pray for these others who are listen, who listen today that they would really be moved to take hold of all that You have. Father, that they would learn to be a servant. They would learn to build bridges, to not see things get destroyed in their lives and, and have broken relationships, but they would learn to build bridges. Lord, Your grace be there. The grace of God be there. For the glory of Jesus and in His name. Amen.